0: Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I serve as pastor of administration and outreach here at Delaware Bible Church, and joining me for today's podcast is one of our supported missionaries here at DBC. We have been her sending church, and we have been blessed to be able to support her and now her family for 25 years as they've served on the field, and that is Rachel Yannick. Rachel, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Brad.
0: So Rachel has been spending some time back in Delaware uh, during the Christmas and New Year's season, and we're thankful to have her on for uh, just uh, one of the last things she's going to be doing ministry-wise here before her family heads back to Peru here later this week at the end of the week. And i will warn you as we are recording today we are doing so right around lunchtime and as well the uh, crew that's doing some of the building remodeling is also working so if you hear some different ambient noises that's what it is Uh, but it's pretty quiet right now and we are going to jump right in so rachel i know that um, you've been a person that's been around here for quite a while as far as your history at delaware bible church and delaware christian school but if you wouldn't mind, could you share about your family, where you currently live, and then your history here at DBC?
1: Okay, thank you Brad. I I am married to Ade. He's a Peruvian who I met. I'll tell you more about that later. I met when I went to Peru. We have two sons, Daniel and Luis, and they are Danny's 17 and Luisa's 15. We live in Huaras, Peru, which is up high in the Andes Mountains. I've lived there now for almost 25 years. Ade was born there and the kids are also from Peru. I did grow up in Ohio however and I've been I attended Delaware Christian School since 5th grade so I went to this school from 5th grade all the way through I graduated from here and I was in Delaware Bible Church that whole time I also I went to Cedarville University, and then I came back and lived in Delaware for five years before I went to Peru. So I've been a member here of Delaware Bible Church for a long, long time. I do consider this my own church, my home church where I grew up, and also the school. So as Brad mentioned, you might hear kids going to lunch and things like that. For me, it's just going to be like normal sounds taking me back Mm -hmm. to my high school experience.
0: And Rachel's dad served as the administrator here for, I believe he was here 25 years, I think it was. I was thinking 25, 27, right around Some
1: there. It might have even been 30 or more.
0: Okay. And then when your mom came, or your mom, she served as the science teacher when I was here as well. So family has a long history here, and her dad now serves as an elder at the church and as the head of the missions committee. So, Rachel, if you wouldn't mind then, share with us your personal testimony, um, and how you felt God then led you from Delaware, Ohio, Delaware Bible Church, Delaware Christian School, to the mission field.
1: My parents became Christians when I was maybe two or three years old, and my dad almost immediately ended up going to Grace. I think it was Grace Bible College in mm-hmm. Omaha at the time to get a just to get some more scripture and bible learning so that he could become a pastor. He eventually ended up in Christian school administration work. So I grew up basically in a Christian family from the from the time I can first remember. I gave my heart to God when I was four. Of course, when you're four years old, you don't know all of the details, Mm. but I had learned enough to know that I wanted to be in heaven with God someday. And I knew I was a sinner and that was keeping me out. So all of us children, the kids of the people who were attending this Bible college where my dad was a student, all of us kids would get together and play in the afternoons. And we played Bible club. And we assigned people to be, somebody would be the teacher in the Bible club, somebody would be the good kid, somebody would be the bad kid who caused problems. Some of them would be the kids who raised their hands to ask Jesus into their hearts after the lesson. And I remember one day I was assigned to raise my hand and ask Jesus into my heart. So I did that as you know, part of our play. Mm -hmm. But when everybody went home, I was sitting outside by myself that day thinking, I could really do that. It doesn't have to be just for pretend. So all by myself at four years old, I prayed and told Jesus I was sorry for the bad things I'd done and I wanted him to forgive me and I wanted to go to heaven. That was the extent of my understanding at the time, but I I know looking back that that's when God saved me and he put me on a path to learn more about him, which thankfully I was able to do through my years growing up in a Christian home, in a Christian school, in a really good Bible preaching church. And my interest in missions also came about because my parents were were not missionaries themselves, but they were very involved throughout my whole childhood in supporting missions, supporting missionaries who went out from our church. We lived in, in a place of about an hour from here. Before we moved to Delaware, and that church also was really big on supporting missionaries. So, my parents had missionary letters, our church had mission conferences every year. That's where my interest is sparked in becoming a missionary at some point in the future. And then, here at Delaware Bible Church, we always had mission conferences every mm-hmm. year, still do. We still, Yeah, we still do. And that, that just made a big impact on my life as a young person, getting to hear the missionaries, getting to know them personally. My parents would invite them to our house. I would always read their letters. And really, that's when my interest in missions began.
0: Okay. So as you were growing up here, as you were spending time here, did you have some, some key figures, some key people here that really made a strong spiritual impact on your life? And can you share about who they were and what they did that really left an impact on you?
1: First of all, I would, I would say all of the teachers at Delaware Christian School, all the way through. Mrs. Martin, Jill Martin, was my mm-hmm. very first teacher here. I had her in fifth grade. And at that time, I did not remember, I couldn't remember my testimony as a four-year-old of when I became a Christian. And Mrs. Martin had us do an assignment in class to re- to write down what our testimony was. And I was kind of panicked because I couldn't remember. And I thought, maybe I'm not a Christian. I asked my mom and she said, I wasn't with you when you prayed, but I remember a little about it. So I just prayed and I said, God, I I do think I'm a Christian, help me remember. Mm-hmm. And he did. He brought that whole story back into my mind. And I've I've always been thankful to Jill mm-hmm. for giving us that assignment, because it really brought clearly into my mind what God did for me. And then, of course, through junior high and high school, we really had great teachers. I know that most high school students think teachers hate them. I probably thought that a few times myself too <laughs> but um from living with teachers my dad as the principal and my mom as a high school science teacher and from becoming a high school teacher myself before I went off to the mission field I do know that teachers in Christian schools are there because they love the students that they don't earn nearly the amount of money that they would in a public school or in some other job but they stay on because they really care about the students and they want kids to have a really good education, but with a biblical worldview. And that's what I got at DCS. And I'm really grateful to all of my teachers. So if any of you are listening, thank you for what you put into my life. And the other person I want to mention is Pastor Hints, mm-hmm. who was my pastor during most of the time that I was at this church. Carl Witt was here at the when I first came, but then Pastor Hintz took over as the main pastor, and I have been so grateful for his biblical teaching very thorough when I get out my old Bible from those years that has fallen apart now, but I keep it because I have notes in there of things we learned under Pastor Hintz that have been so influential in my life. I still remember things specific definitions of um, wisdom, for example, how he taught us what wisdom was and thinking God's way and so many different things. So I'm very grateful also to Pastor Marvin Hintz for his influence in my life.
0: So one of the things I really enjoy about doing this podcast is seeing those connections, because I never knew Joe Martin who was your teacher in that way. And it's cool to see those connections from, from the years at the church and the school can you tell us about your current mission board that you're serving with and uh, what you're doing there and what brought you to Peru?
1: I left Ohio as a well when I was 27 years old and I had always wanted to get involved in Bible translation. Because of that, I joined Wycliffe Bible Translators, which is a really amazing mission. It's non denominational, so we have missionary colleagues from several different very evangelical backgrounds, of course, but different church denominations. And the goal of Wycliffe Bible Translators is to translate the Word of God into the languages of people all around the world. That that was my dream, really. So when I finally joined Wycliffe, I thought, I've arrived. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what I've wanted to do for many, many years. When Ade and I met and married, he also joined Wycliffe. And We are living in Peru, which is an amazing country, 90 languages have been spoken in Peru. A few of them are now extinct, unfortunately, but at least 60, 60, to 80 languages are spoken still in the country on a daily basis. So we've had a lot of work to do. Neither one of us is an actual Bible translator. We did not study linguistics. But we have been involved in the ministry through our other vocational skills. For me, that started out being a teacher for missionary kids. And then when Ade joined the mission, he's a native speaker of one of the Quechua languages there. So he was a natural at helping people with literacy, teaching Quechua people to read their own language promoting the use of scripture in churches, training pastors, and I continue as a teacher for our own kids. I homeschool, but I also work with Sum too in all of, the, in the whole area of what we call scripture access and scripture promotion.
0: So when you're looking to do scripture access, scripture promotion, can you kind of share with us what that looks like or, you know, how does that work in the context of Peru?
1: Things have changed so much over the 25 years that I've been in Peru. It's been really interesting to see. Sometimes I feel like stories my dad would tell about my great-grandparents who were born in the end of the 1800s and all of the technology that they saw through the course of their lifetime, going from horse and buggy days to seeing men on the moon. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has happened in Peru in the time I've been there. Used to be with scripture promotion, it was done through traveling to the villages, carrying little TVs or or projectors and a generator because there was no electricity anywhere and we would have maybe one copy of the book of Luke on video. Or we would have cassette tapes that we would take and people could sit around and listen to them. Mm -hmm. And now we have all of this on cell phones, and it's beamed in from satellites. People in the farthest reaches of the Andes have cell phones. We still visit villages. We still show the Jesus film. Mm -hmm. Usually we can plug our our projector into the wall, though, because everybody has electricity now, Mm -hmm. which is great for them. Um, So a lot of our work includes it's still important to do literacy classes to make sure people can read they do still want print copies of the bible but younger generations now are wanting things on apps on their cell phones and so our job has has to now include all of that you know mm-hmm. figuring out what what can the people actually use and making sure that they get it
0: so previously i know that you guys uh, came and spent I think it was close to a year here because of all the COVID restrictions. You kind of had some unexpected time here where the boys came to school at DCS. How are things there now in regards to COVID? I know that it took them much longer to kind of open things back up compared to where we're at in the U.S., and how are things now?
1: As far as COVID goes, we are we are doing much better in Peru. We had a, a huge percentage, a huge number of... Uh, deaths to COVID, including many people that we knew, people that we worked with. It was really a difficult time for the country. Uh, Then we spent months, even after our family went back, in um, 2022. We went back to Peru after having been here for a year. But there were many months when we still had to use masks and be social distance. It was very frustrating. I think in the end, people just kind of got tired of it and rebelled. Yeah. That kind of sounds were, like the US too. <laughs> there were COVID vaccines available. So anybody who wanted them could get them. And then the more rounds of COVID came through, but they were not nearly as devastating. More like the flu. Mm -hmm. And so when we left Peru in December to come here just for a short visit, we didn't even have to show vaccination cards or COVID tests. The problem now is a political uprising. So that's the thing that's Mm -hmm. a little bit iffy, not COVID anymore.
0: Can you tell us about what that political uprising and how it's affecting you guys?
1: The... The country, we had a president, um, there was an attempted coup. Things didn't work out as the president wished, and he ended up in jail. And so we have an interim president right now that that people aren't happy with. And so there continue to be protests, deadly protests, unfortunately. Thankfully for us, it's not in our area. Mm -hmm. The the worst of the riots are in the South, but they do always bring... um, strikes, nationwide strikes, blocking the roads. We were able to get to Lima, eight hours away from our house, drive down to the capital and fly out without any trouble. And we will be going back this Saturday and hoping that we can drive home also without any trouble. Mm. When you think of Peru, though, please pray because there is quite a bit of political unrest and we don't know how things are going to end up this time. It could... We could be sliding into a precarious position. So we are trusting God mm-hmm. for his plan for the government there.
0: So prior to this, were there any difficulties that you were experiencing as a missionary in Bible distribution or anything with the government, or was it pretty just open for you all to be able to share?
1: We have always had we have always had an open door for sharing. Mm-hmm. The the biggest problem we had with Distributing the Quechua Bibles, which were newly printed, the biggest problem was the COVID lockdowns, and that kept us out for over a year from the villages. However, because the country is Catholic and they require religion in the schools, we almost always have an open door into the Quechua villages with Mm -hmm. the Bible in the language that the people speak. So that's not a problem. um, Depending on where the the Government situation goes it could become a problem in the future mm-hmm. if we get in a very leftist government that wouldn't like our our Christianity,
0: yeah, so one of the things that I can appreciate and relate to in your story is that you started serving the Lord uh, when you were single as a missionary. Can you explain to us you know what kind of led you to? Uh, the jumping-off point of at 27, jumping into the mission field, and some of the unique challenges then as you went to Peru as a single person.
1: I think God gave me the gift of singleness at least for that time because Mm -hmm. he gave me also the courage to do that by myself. For those of you who remember, when I went to the mission field, I had signed a two-year agreement with Wycliffe to go as a teacher, Because I thought, I will teach for two years, but I really want to be a Bible translator. And then I'll get my linguistics degree. And then I was, in my mind, I was going to be a career missionary, which I am. I just didn't come back and get the linguistics degree. Mm-hmm. So I know that it was God who gave me the courage to get on that airplane and go. Now, we had a big group from Delaware Bible Church who came to the Columbus airport the day I left. Oh wow. You could still go, visitors could still go right to the window and watch planes take off. So I have a picture of everybody right out there with me, helping to give me the courage to get on the airplane. I flew from Columbus to Newark, New Jersey to get on my plane for Peru. And when I got off in the waiting area, there it was, it was all Latinos, all Peruvians, everybody was speaking Spanish. And I found a phone somewhere, they still had pay phones at, at the time. I called home and I burst into tears because it was then it really sank in. I'm leaving home, I'm going to a place where nobody speaks my language. I felt very alone at that point, it mm-hmm. was very scary. Um, but I know that God, it was God who helped me get on the plane and go. I really loved my first two years with Wycliffe as a teacher. I loved it. And in fact, I decided I need to just keep teaching until this group of missionary kids has moved on their parents needed to finish New Testament translations. And so I stayed there with those kids until they were ready to move back to the States or move on to bigger cities with other schools. Um, I also realized during that time that it would have been hard for me to be a single missionary in the place where I was because it was so far from home and from other other people who were, you know, who were American. I made lots of good Peruvian friends at the time, but it was such a different culture and for me to be there all by myself was hard. Mm-hmm. This was back in the days before there was any type of social um you know, Facebook or anything like that. Even making phone calls was expensive. It wasn't the Hudson Taylor days, though, when you would write letters and it would take months and months and months. But Mm -hmm. I didn't get to communicate a lot with family. And that was really hard. And so thankfully, it was in God's plan, because I loved where I was. It was in God's plan to let me stay there, but no longer as a single person.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell us about that. How did you and Adi meet? And uh, how did you connect? and, And serve together on the field?
1: Well, Brad, when when people ask us this question, Ade always says, do you want the short version or the long version? He gives the short version, and I give the long one, but I'm going to do the short one today. Um, We met through fellow missionaries. Ade went to church with some of the missionaries, was friends with them, had been involved in their mission community for several years, but not you know, not as a member, just as a friend. And we actually met climbing a mountain one day with my students. Sounds like Audie. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I should have known then, too, that it was going to lead to a life of great adventure. I thought I was going to die. Because here I am from Flatland, Ohio, and climbing mountains, and it, it was very difficult, but really fun. So that's how we met, and and we became good friends over the course of that year. My parents came to see me in Peru at the end of my first year there, and they got to meet Ade. My dad was actually the one who said, maybe you should start praying about this. Maybe God really wants this relationship for you guys. So that was that was an encouragement, because we had not really been willing to consider that it could be something serious, because mm-hmm. it seemed like this is not what I was meant to do. But my parents saw something there, and so we all prayed about things. And yeah, little by little, that's where God led. Ade and I have now been married, well, this summer, it will be 23 years.
0: All right. Would you mind sharing with us, then, the story about Danny and Luis coming into your lives?
1: Yeah, the the boys are both adopted. I can share this because they it, um we've we talked about it many times with mm-hmm. them and it's not something they have asked us to keep private. Besides, everybody here knows because it was big rejoicing each time we got one of the boys. So Danny came to us um, as a baby. We found out about him on Thanksgiving, on actually Thanksgiving Day. Oh, wow. It was so that always makes Thanksgiving special. It was mm-hmm. my favorite holiday to begin with, but now it has a double blessing. And then we found out about Luis. We got the news about him when a Delaware Bible Church group was with us. It oh, was wow. my parents. And Pastor Marvin Marilyn were there and Sid and Peggy V Hill were there and they mm. had all come down to do a scripture promotion trip with us. Actually we had proclaimers at that time. We had digital scripture to listen to. And the church raised funds to buy several of those units. And we we took them out to Quechua churches and trained pastors and how to use them and and then our group also did some pastors training in our town. And while they were there, we found out, we got the news that Luis had been chosen for our family. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. special, too, that our group from here was with us when we heard about Luis. He didn't come until about a month later, so they didn't meet him. But So the boys have been with us now. They're, for many years, part of our family. We love the fact that they are... 100 percent peruvian Mm -hmm. from the start they now have u.s citizenship also they feel sometimes they feel torn between their two nationalities but most missionary kids feel that at some point so i think the boys have done really a great job of being fully peruvian and fully american mixing the best from both cultures
0: wonderful so, if there were someone that were that was listening in that would have an interest in, you know, finding out more about serving on the mission field, or hey, I'm a single person, I may be interested in this. Are there any resources or places that you would point them to for, uh, you know, someone that may be listening that's saying, maybe I want to do that, maybe I want to serve on the field
1: like that? There, there are obviously tons of places you can find online. Sometimes that can be daunting, though. So if you're Mm -hmm. listening, get in touch with the church, and they can give you my contact information, because I love to talk to people about this kind of stuff, where they can talk to them about what are your skills, what are your abilities, what type of things do you like to do, and then I can help you find maybe a mission organization. Mm -hmm. Other than Wycliffe, maybe our own, maybe just help you start thinking through would this be something God has for me? One thing I've seen in my 25 years on the mission field, though, is anything you can do in the United States as a job, God can use that in, in, to his glory too, in -hmm. missions in some way. So don't think because I don't have a degree as a pastor or I haven't done mission studies, I can't really serve God. You can in so many different ways.
0: Sometimes it gives you opportunities that pastors wouldn't have in countries, too.
1: Right, because there are all kinds of stuff you can do that would get you into countries now that a missionary can't get into or a religious worker cannot get into, but you can go as some other type of work or a business or something like that. And so many things you can do. I would love to talk to people about that and point you in the direction that where you could find more information if you'd like to.
0: So when it came to originally choosing Wycliffe to join and originally going to Peru, like how did that all come together?
1: Wycliffe was an easy choice for me because my parents when I was in low elementary school at another church began supporting a couple who went out from our church to become Wycliffe missionaries in Papua New Guinea. So I grew up reading their prayer letters, and I just thought that is the most amazing thing that they're doing. So I had known about Wycliffe from the time I was little, I knew that I wanted to Get involved in some way in Bible translation. I also spent quite a bit of time here at Delaware Bible Church talking to Leroy Peters, who mm-hmm. was with New Tribes missions at the time. I think now they're called Ethnos three sixty. 360. 360, yep. Um but they do a lot of the same work that Wycliffe does. Mm-hmm. And so Leroy Peters really encouraged me in getting involved in that type of mission work, too. And I did choose Wycliffe simply because that's who I'd been communicating with. How did I end up in Peru? Mm-hmm. I I was a teacher. And like I said earlier, I agreed to do a two-year stint as a teacher for Wycliffe. And they wanted to send me, first of all, to Papua New Guinea, because there's a large missionary kids school there. And that would have been neat, because that was the country that drew me in. But I already spoke Spanish. So I said to Wycliffe, what about, let's look in the Spanish-speaking world, because at least that way I could get involved in the local culture. Mm -hmm. So they had a school in Oaxaca, Mexico, another pretty large missionary kids school. And they said, we could send you there right away, or we have this little tiny one-room schoolhouse in the Andes Mountains, we don't think you're going to want to go there because there aren't very many people there. And I I looked at the school in Mexico, and it was Pretty much like this, like Worthington Christian High School where mm-hmm. I'd been teaching. And I thought, I want to try something new. My great grandpa taught in a one room schoolhouse. Huh. I want to go do something like that. Plus the mountains. I'd always dreamed of the mountains. They nearly killed me once I got there because of the <laughs> high altitude. It's just really hard to get used to living there. But that's how I ended up in in Huaras, Peru. Just from the start I said, oh I'll go do that. I'll go do that little school. It was really good for me too because it was like homeschooling mm-hmm. which set me up to do be able to do that well when I did it with our own kids.
0: That's cool. So, let's kind of move away from missions and job and and all those different things in your profession. And if you wouldn't mind outside of the missions work and what you're doing there and uh, serving in that way, what are some what are some hobbies and things that you and your family enjoy just doing for fun
1: as a family, we like hiking, mm-hmm. we like trekking, doing things outside um ade has a his family has a farm, and we outside of our town where we live, we go up to the farm and plant the crops and it 's you know just like the Quechua people do everything 's done by hand oh, wow. so we 've really gotten to learn exactly how people live up there and also where all the food comes from why quinoa is an expensive product it's a It's a staple there in Quechua life. So we spend a lot of time outdoors doing things as a family. This past year, we've gotten to take some long, very long driving trips through Peru. But that has been so neat to Mm -hmm. get to see the country, to stop if we see a waterfall along the way. And we want to stop and get in the waterfall, take pictures. So we've seen tons of really neat things in our own country by driving along as we're, we're combining that with our work. Personally, I like to write, and I've been writing for the past few years for a women's devotional ministry, and they publish devotionals every day on the web. So I've really enjoyed that, and it's been a challenge for me to cut down my words to fit into their (laughs) amount. But I've appreciated that challenge, and then I have my own blog, which I write on and and really enjoy that.
0: Can you tell us the, the, the websites where they
1: could go if they want to check out your blog or the women's blog? The women's blog is called Thrive, um, the devotional blog. I think it's just Thrive, and you can look up that. And there are many different things in that website that people can connect to. If you want to get the daily devotionals, you can sign up there. My personal blog is called Eucalyptus Air. You can type that in. Probably will need to use my name because when I look it up from other places, it tries to sell. Um, it tries to sell oils, essential oils that are (laughs) eucalyptus. I chose the title eucalyptus air because that's what we breathe every day. We're at a high altitude where there are eucalyptus trees and you smell them. It's a wonderful smell. Sometimes the Quechua people will be cutting the trees and you can just smell that eucalyptus all around or they're using them for their cooking fires. And whenever we smell that, Ade says, oh, somebody's cooking something good. Um, so that's why I chose the name Eucalyptus Air, because it's it's the air that we breathe on a daily basis, and you can find my blog there.
0: Okay. Wonderful. We'll be checking that out. Do you have a favorite Bible verse, a favorite life verse, or one that has just really meant a lot to you or a couple that have?
1: When I when I first began missions, my favorite Bible verse was Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven through thirteen. Everybody knows that. We also know it was written to the Israelite people at a specific time in their history. But I loved the fact that God says, I know the plans I have for you. And that really gave me the courage to know God is behind this plan for my life. And it was plans to prosper and not to harm and to give you a hope and a future. I know that was for the Israelites, but I also claimed that promise for Mm -hmm. myself. And I've seen God, I've seen it play out in my life all along. If I would if I would choose, uh, well, my current favorite Bible verse is actually from Lamentations. It's Lamentations 3, mm, good. 22 and 23, and I'll read that very quickly here. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's what I've seen played out in my life over the years. I know God had that jeremiah 29 plan for my life i know i've made mistakes along the way and because of his love we're not consumed the things that i might do wrong one day he forgives and his compassions are new every morning and i've seen god's faithfulness just be so true in my life
0: Mm -hmm. amen so last question i'll ask you for our podcast today um, how can we be praying for your ministry? We've talked about the political unrest. Of course, we'll be praying for travel for you, but by the time this releases, you guys will have already, Lord willing, been back. So uh, when it comes to future things ahead for, for your family and for your mission, how can we be praying for you?
1: Ministry-wise, Adi is, is spending a whole lot of his time right now um getting Bibles into Quechua churches and Quechua villages. We're working in an area where there are three languages spoken, and all of them had complete Bibles published and printed and brought to Peru right, either right before or right at the very beginning of the COVID pandemic. And so our job now is just to get the Bibles to the churches. He spends a lot of time driving over fairly dangerous roads and when we go back for the next several months it'll be rainy season so that makes the roads even more treacherous so pray for safety and that they that our team will get the bibles to these churches but not just leave the bibles there this this obviously involves spending time with pastors with church leaders with with family leaders school leaders um Making sure they can read and that they can read well, read out loud in public, making sure the pastors know how to use. The scripture to prepare messages and teach from the Bible. So there will be a lot of that type of work that Ade is going to be involved in in the next couple of years. He also is responsible for kind of overseeing for all of Peru, for the many different languages that we have there, being in touch with the language communities and the religious leaders in those communities and making sure they have scripture, seeing if they need reprints. Sometimes they say we had a New Testament from the 1980s, but we ne- we want to update it, so Ade needs to do a lot of communication. He's really good with that when he's doing it within the the Peruvian context, because he likes to talk to people, he likes mm-hmm. to visit them, so just pray for him, too, to have wisdom in knowing how to, well, how to reach people who are in faraway jungle places and how to help them with their needs and then for us as a family i'm homeschooling the boys this year they're in uh, ninth and tenth grade and we just need wisdom as we're looking as we're moving along in the high school years time Mm -hmm. is not slowing down and homeschool you know gets a little harder each year so we need wisdom to know how to handle each year with the boys when we should plan to come back, if they should try to do another year in Delaware Christian before maybe moving on to college here in the United States. So we really appreciate your prayers for that.
0: All right. We will be remembering those things in prayer. Rachel, again, we thank you for joining us here for today. We'll be praying for you as you guys travel back. And again, uh, we're just thankful for 25 years that we've been able to support you, and we hope and pray for at least 25 more.
1: Thank you. Although 25 more puts us at pretty old, but that would be good. <laughs> thank you.
0: Well, thank you all as well for listening in. We hope that you have a wonderful week and we look forward to sharing another podcast with you next week. Have a great week.